So this is a very, very important first chapter of James because he's setting the stage for how we understand either as Christians our trials in the Christian life or our temptations in the Christian life. Now you may be asking, so how do we know what is a positive trial or a negative temptation? This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part one of Pastor Lance Quinn's two-part series, Battles with Temptation, taken from the New Testament book of James. This two-part teaching, given by Pastor Lance at a Council the Word seminar for biblical counselors, could be a much longer series. The difference between trials and temptations in the believer's life is hugely important. James exhorts his readers early on to count it all joy when trials or testing come because they produce steadfastness in the life of a Christian. Temptation is sometimes confused with testing, as James explains very early on in chapter 1. Like James, Pastor Lance wants us to be clear that trials and testing can come from our Lord to make us stronger in our faith. Temptations come from other sources, but never from God. Here's part one of Battles with Temptation. As you and I and others, of course, seek to disciple, counsel, and otherwise help men and women in their lives, uh, we will inevitably, along with them, face satanic temptation, uh, worldly allurements to sin. And if that weren't enough, even the remaining wickedness of our own otherwise redeemed hearts I want us in our time together to focus our attention upon the temptations, uh, the trials, uh, and even the desires of the Christian when sin is the issue. Uh, It is these inward trials, temptations, and desires that I want to talk about in our session together. So we are going to look very, very carefully at not what Satan does when he tempts us per se, Uh, not what the world does when it's alluring us to all of its wares. But I want to talk about just the Christian and his own desires and temptations and trials. That's what I want to focus in on in our session together. Uh, We should choose, I think, some important words uh, out of the text of Scripture that we're going to be reading and studying together. And I see three very, very important words as the key words in which to understand and apply from James chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles there, I want to encourage you to turn in the Scripture to James chapter 1 so that we might see what James 1 says regarding these important concepts that we'll study. And the three words that I'm thinking about are the words trials, temptations, and desires. Those three words will come up in our text of James 1, and I want us to study them together in the context of this first chapter of James, who is, of course, as the author of this letter, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. So each of these key words that I give you from the biblical text uh, in each of the contexts in which they appear are very interesting because these particular words are words that can be very positive in their positive context, but extremely negative when they appear in 
negative contexts. And I'll show you what I mean in a moment. We're talking about internal battles for the supremacy of the Christian's heart. That's what we're really talking about in our session together. And in order for us to do this important study, I encourage all of us, especially those of us who are biblical counselors, to see James 1 as a major text of Scripture in which we can do great counseling with those who need it. First, of course, for ourselves, and also for those to whom and for whom we are attempting to help. So I want you to see with me James chapter 1. We're going to read uh, all of James 1, beginning in verse 2, through verse 16. Now, of course, there's only one verse that starts uh, before we're going to read and uh, some verses that go after it. But I want us to focus our attention on James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and then particularly verses 12 to 16. But I'll read uh, the entire text for us as we look at studying God's Word and trying to help people and ourselves, of course, as much as we can. Here's James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, that is, of course, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, your translation in English may also give the word endurance instead of steadfastness. Same idea, just a different word. Verse 4, and let steadfastness or endurance have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, verse 5 says, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Now this, of course, as I said, is a familiar text to many of us, but perhaps not always as familiar in terms of our ability and the necessity from this text to build into the lives of our counselees or our disciples what truth is here for the sin of their lives in terms of their own desire. And that is clearly given to us here. It's the desire of the heart that is most manifest as we're talking about this issue of the supremacy of the heart. And I want you to see this. Now, what I'm going to do may be a little bit unconventional, but in order for us to see how to destroy 
sin's tempting and alluring stronghold. That's because we're in a conference in which we're talking about destroying strongholds, uh, biblical counseling and spiritual warfare. And this text is a major one in this enterprise. And in order for us to see how we should destroy, according to James in this epistle, how to destroy sin's tempting and alluring stronghold within us as believers, I want first to go to verses 13 to 16. I don't want to start first in verses 2, 3, and 4. I want to sort of go backwards. Uh, I want to talk about temptation first, and then we'll talk about trials. Uh, Because the major thrust of this text, it seems to me, is where we're talking about sin and temptation, first and foremost. So go to verses 13 and 14, and we're going to look at that. And then after we understand uh, the first of these three important words, those words, of course, being temptation, trial, and then desire, then we'll get to verses 2, 3, and 4 about trials, and then we'll sort of back up back to the idea of the word desire, and then we'll finish with verse 12, which seems to be uh, sort of the capstone or the fulcrum from this passage of Scripture. So I want to talk about temptation, and I want you to see there about temptation what James says regarding the sin of the Christian. Now, I say the sin of the Christian because he does use the idea of desire in the singular. We're talking about in verse 14 where it says, a person is tempted, and there's our word for temptation, a person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. That's, of course, talking about a particular sin. Now, of course, we have multiple sins and therefore multiple desires. But he's talking about the idea of one desire that you have in your life for which then you are seeking in sin to fulfill that desire. And that, of course, is why we talk about the Christian and his life of temptation. And I want you to see that right in the the middle of James chapter 1, is this idea of the Christian who is tempted to sin. He's tempted to sin. This is a very negative context, isn't it? It says in verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. We're talking about the sense of temptation in this negative context. But what is so interesting to me about James chapter 1 is that the same word for temptation, parasmos, is actually the same Greek word James uses in James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That's, that's the same Greek word, parasmos. So in a negative context, according to verse 13, that's why the English Standard Version and most of your English translations would translate it as temptation, not trial. It's in a negative context. It's in a context that's talking about sin. But when it's talking in a positive context, like verses 2, 3, and 4, then it is to be rightly translated, not as temptation, but as trial. You can see that in verse 2, when you meet trials 
of a varied nature or of various kinds. Isn't that interesting? That the same Greek word, depending on the context, positive or negative, is giving us a sense of whether or not we're talking about the trial in a Christian's life or trials in a Christian's life, or we're talking about the temptation in a Christian's life. Two very different contexts, aren't they? Parasmos, that could be translated as test or trial if it's in that positive context, or it could be translated as temptation as it does in verse 13 to talk about someone who's desiring to sin. So this is a very, very important first chapter of James because he's setting the stage for how we understand either as Christians our trials in the Christian life or our temptations in the Christian life. Now you may be asking, so how do we know what is a positive trial or a negative temptation? And my answer to that would be that we actually can find out the answer to that question by maybe posing two things. Uh, The purpose of the trial or the purpose of the temptation. And I think we can also talk about the persons who are bringing these realities upon us. So if you're going to ask me, well, how do I know uh, what's a trial and what's a temptation? Well, I think the answer is whatever the purpose is of the trial and then whatever the person or whom the person is who's bringing such a thing. You say, explain that to me a little bit more. Here's what I'm talking about. If in fact God is bringing such a thing into my life, it's never a temptation. It's always a trial. I know that because of what verse 13 says. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. You see, God doesn't tempt any man. Well, what does it mean? God doesn't tempt any man. It's uh, maybe something like this. God never solicits us to do evil. That's not God's nature. That's not his heart. That's not his character. That's not the splendid magnificence of his person. God is above sin. In fact, even James goes on to say, for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. And remember, because we're talking about that, that Greek word, parasmos, every time it's mentioned, verse 13, he is tempted. Uh, the latter part of verse 13, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Uh, that's, that's all a derivative of that same word, parasmos. But we know in the context that if God is involved and it's a temptation, then it's not from God at all. Well, you say, well, when God is involved, then what kind of context is it? Well, that's verses 2, 3, and 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. Now, that's why it's not translated temptation, parasmos. It's translated trials. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance. Look, if it's Satan or if it's the world or if it's your own desire to sin, none of those things produce out of your faith steadfastness or endurance. It's actually designed to do the opposite. It's designed to uh, 
destroy your faith if it could, or uh, to mangle your faith, or to uh, motivate you uh, to have uh, a decreasing faith, uh, confidence, a trust in God, uh, not a greater confidence, not a growing faith, which produces steadfastness or endurance. Verse 4, and let steadfastness or endurance have its full effect, its, its full work upon you, that you may be perfect, that's fully mature and complete. Uh, you're well-rounded, you're, you're becoming more conformed to the image of Christ, lacking in nothing. You see, in that context of James 1, 2 through 4, uh, God is all over that passage. God is in this passage. He's teaching us about this passage. The Holy Spirit is showing us that the endurance, the full effect of it, uh, the perfection of it, the completion of it, Uh, lacking in nothing is for you to take such a trial, a trial of various kinds. Uh, It could be a myriad of ways. It could be all kinds of things that you and I experience in the Christian life, and it's not designed to destroy us. It's not designed to, to take us further away from serving Christ. It's designed to cause us to be more conformed to Christ's image. That's how you can know that it's a trial. When Satan comes along or, or the world comes along or perhaps because of James 1 and what it says in verse 13 and following when it's your own desire and those desires are sinful and corrupt even with regenerate hearts we can have remaining sin in our life and, and when it's in that context then we can know that when a person is being tempted it's because he's lured and enticed by his own desire the Bible says and by the way I mentioned that this is a text uh, where Satan is nowhere around. We don't find Satan in this passage at all. Now, it does say tempted with evil. Uh, It does talk about being lured and enticed. But notice, we are lured and enticed by our own desire. You see, it's coming from within. Satan is not inside us. Uh, The world is not inside us in that sense. This is an internal battle that we're talking about that goes from a trial that otherwise would have produced steadfastness and endurance in us, making us more fully conformable to the image of Christ. And now because of sin in the heart, because of desire, uh, because of the motives of that Christian and what they want, what they crave, it's really talking about not a trial, but a temptation. That's how you know. It's the craving, the sinful craving of the human heart And the purpose of that particular scenario is so that you and I can fall, fall down. And perhaps even if Satan thought he could, would try to make us even fall away, fall away from the faith. But you and I know that if we're true Christians, if we're genuine Christians, then the purpose of such a thing is from the evil one himself or it's from the allurements of the world, or what James says so clearly here, it's from my own desire. And the person who's involved is yourself. So if you're talking to a counselee, or if you're uh, attempting even to grapple with these things in your own heart, you're helping yourself first, and then you want to help others, then key in on James chapter 1, verse 14, and say, when I am lured and enticed by my own desire. This is what temptation is. Temptation is a solicitation to do evil. And when you are solicited and you fall to such solicitation, then it gives birth to sin 
and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. This is most amazing. Look at the word lured there. But each person, verse 14, is tempted when he is lured. That has the idea in the Greek word itself of being sort of forcefully drug. Uh, Someone drags you forcefully uh, to a place of temptation and then into sin. Uh, you, You are being lured into a context in which sin will result unless you fight it with all your might. And it starts, of course, with your motives. It's always starting with the motives. Notice what it says. When it says in verse 14 that each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. You see how the outside is affecting the inside? The outside is what's happening in the temptation when you and I are lured and enticed. But what's happening on the inside is your own desire. Uh, The desire, the satiation of of your own manifest will to sin in some way, uh, to get what you want, or, or to be angry if you don't get what you want. Lured is that idea of being uh, forcefully drug into sin. Uh, It's uh, not against your will. It's commensurate with your will because it says by his own desire, but it's talking about a kind of luring, a a temptation that uh, forcefully suggests that you ought to be involved in this. And the word enticed is a most interesting word. It's obviously a word from, uh, from fishing. It's talking about the old bait and switch. It's uh, the idea, the nautical term where uh, you and I are fishing in a beautiful lake and everything seems calm and serene and uh, we're just trying to do a little fishing. We're not uh, bothering anybody. Uh, uh, they don't seem to be bothering us. The, the sun is shining. The, the fish are biting. And uh, so what do we do? Well, we put that lure out and we uh, put our lure on the hook or we put live bait on the hook You know, you've probably been fishing as I have, and you put it out there, and when the conditions are right and everything's ready, uh, the fish has a temptation to overcome. And what do they do? Well, there's a strong force that sort of uh, tries to lure them uh, to take a bite uh, on that uh, luscious piece of meat. But then, of course, when they do, they're hooked. That's what it's talking about there. And of course, the purpose of that, to bring sin into your life. For you to, to negate the will of God, that you be holy and righteous, sanctified in the faith. The idea is that you are ripe for the temptation. It comes, then you're lured, then you're enticed, and then you fall to such temptation by your own desire. You are listening to Timeless Truth Today. Since trials mean one thing and temptation something very different in the life of a believer, we've asked Pastor Lance to join us to explain this even more. So, Pastor Lance, Christians often encounter trials that can knock us off the track. They can also be very confusing if we're not grounded in the Word. Oh, that's such a good point, Matt. You're right. This is why the distinction between a trial and a temptation is so critical particularly for those who disciple and counsel in the church. Uh, The past year's global epidemic has certainly been a test for us all. Uh, Loved ones have been lost, that is those who are older, 
Uh, it's brought dangers, of course, instability for marriages and homes and jobs. Uh, a temptation, though, coming from our sinful desire is much different than those things. Uh, temptations are not from God, but from our own sinful nature, coming, of course, from the temptation of Satan himself. And submitting to temptation can lead us, of course, into sin. And that is a path to destruction. Thanks, Pastor Lance. Always a good word. If you'd like to know more about how God can help you in times of testing and how better to resist temptation, visit our website, TimelessTruthToday.org, TimelessTruthToday.org. Click Broadcasts for an entire searchable archive of Pastor Lance's messages. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Lance Quinn and an outreach ministry of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. Tomorrow, it's part two, the conclusion in our series, Battles with Temptation. I'm Matt Williams for Timeless Truth Today. Thank you for listening.